Amy Epstein-Gluck partners with organizations to arrive at sustainable policies to alleviate and prevent workplace problems and create solutions to challenges, including hybrid work and fostering inclusive workplaces. She handles workplace investigations and wage and hour audits, navigates discrimination, harassment, and retaliation issues while complying with federal, state, and local employment laws. She handles workplace compliance and defense of Title VII, ADA, FMLA, and ADEA claims, as well as misclassification issues and all matters involving people. She serves as the firm's employment counsel, advising the firm and its partners concerning all the aforementioned matters. So she is the lawyer of the lawyers. She authors Fisher Broyles' employment law blog and regularly contributes legal expertise to the Washington Post concerning prevalent and pertinent employment law issues. She's been quoted in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the Business Globe, Business Insurance, SHRM, and Law 360. So glad today to have you, Amy. Thanks for joining us. For our podcast disclaimer, please visit the episode description. I'm so glad, Amy, you're here to chat with us today about mental health and in the workplace. And you have some special information about it because you've done so much work in this area. Yes. Hi, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Mental health right now is just such a pandemic. Um, No pun intended. (laughs) The pandemic has certainly exacerbated the mental, the frequency of mental health issues in our workplaces, amongst our kids, and really everywhere. Yeah, it, cer- it certainly has had um, a huge case. What, what are companies doing about it? I mean, and how do you even know? I mean, where do we cross that line? I've got so many questions. They're all coming out at the same time. I mean, <laughs> um, I mean I'm a supervisor. I'm a manager. I've got an employee, and I think they're struggling. They're working at home. Um, or do I want to bring them in? Maybe I don't want to bring them in. And, of course, whenever you have violence that takes place in institutions like our schools, people worry again about gathering of people in the workplace. So, you know, how does a manager handle that, or how does an employee feel comfortable to speak up? What do we do with the culture to be able to make that okay? Any of those you want to pick. (laughs) Sure. You've hit on topics that are so, you know, so dear to me in that I write about them so often. Um, I talk employers, you know, large and small through these aspects in my practice, you know, and the issue with mental health is for me, it's just, it's such a significant topic everybody, it seems like, is on overload, on allostatic overload, it's called. Everybody's overwhelmed. And as employers, I think that it's really important that we destigmatize mental health. Mm-hmm. You do that by, you know, becoming educated about mental health conditions in the workplace. And if you're an employee, understanding what your rights are. Now, generally, you know, you ask what do companies do? So 
if companies have more than a certain number of employees, they're subject to the Americans with Disabilities Act. They have to comply with that act as well as any state laws that deal with human rights issues, okay? Most states have their own separate human rights laws. And what they need to do is just have a talk. It's a talk, I like to say it like that. Under the ADA, we call it engaging in the interactive process, but it's really just a conversation. And it's sitting down with the employee in exactly the way that you're mentioning, you know, hey, I've noticed, you know, that you've been kind of off lately, or hey, you know, your performance is not where it usually is. Is anything going on? Do you need help in any area? Right? Mm -hmm. And then if an employee discloses that they're dealing with anxiety, depression, PTSD, bipolar, you know, all of the things, then you have to provide them with a reasonable accommodation, which is just a modification of their essential job functions to enable them to perform the essential functions of the job. There's so many reasonable accommodations that could be provided depending on the disability, the level of impairment, you know, and the job. Mm -hmm. So I had written about this recently because the Department of Labor, like with nursing, just came out with so many resources for employers um, talking about how we, we can talk to people who have identified as having a mental health condition in order to promote well-being. To touch on your other note, you know, you mentioned culture, and I see mental health and emotional and mental well-being as being part of an inclusive workplace. You know, mm -hmm. we talk about diversity and inclusivity in so many aspects. And one of those aspects is absolutely disabilities, physical as well as mental. Mm -hmm. And didn't, isn't there um, some insurance laws around making sure the mental health benefits are on par with, you know, the brawn benefits, if you will? Not familiar with the brawn benefit. No, no, no. I mean, brawn, you know, brain and brawn that they body. Oh, sure, sure, Mental sure. health parity. Um, yes, I was going to say the mental health parity act. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what it really comes down to with employers is what kind of employee assistance plan do you have? What benefits are you providing? Are you elevating mental health to the same status as you deal with physical disabilities? Mm -hmm. It's really about creating a mental health friendly workplace where you have an, a supportive culture, you know, you're recognizing requests for accommodations. Employees don't have to use those words. I have a disability, you know, <laughs> I need an accommodation. No employee wants to have that conversation mm -hmm. and it can definitely be tricky. So education of managers is something I advocate I have done countless, you know, presentations for management and small employers, you know, really talking supervisors through how to recognize requests or situations that might be requests for accommodations, as well as documenting those conversations. Mm -hmm. And even referring people to an employee assistance program, supervisors, you know, oh, I don't want to get involved with it. 
And, um, you know, I know through EAPs I've worked with, we can get reports that say, how did they find out about you? And you'll know whether it's been a management, the, your manager suggested it. You won't know who the person is, but at least you'll know how are they learning and where perhaps do we need to bone up, like giving managers training that they can refer and why it's so important to know what that benefit is. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, I mean, I think it's very important to periodically, you know, re-educate your workforce. Hey, we have this EAP. You get five free counseling sessions from it a year. Mm-hmm. You know, here's how you log on. If you have questions, contact so-and-so and the human resources office, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. We, when the pandemic started, um, one of my clients actually, um, we did magnets that got sent home. I love it. And it had, um, because everybody was at home, and of course it could go right on their fridge. Interestingly, um, like three quarters, calendar quarters into it, we had a report come out that showed that the number one caller were adolescent boys. Really? Yeah. And they were calling it, um, and they said, well, the magnet's on our fridge. And um, the one said, my mom said, if I want to talk to anybody else, we could call this number. And they were at home. You know, everybody was going. It's easy to forget those painful times two years ago and uh, trying to study, trying not having enough Internet, not sure what we're doing. How are we going to get groceries? You know, but what that what that tells me. And I love that you said that because that mom is just really normalizing mental health in her family. Mm-hmm. And that employer is enabling her to do that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We don't always know, even when our kids are right under our nose, that they're dealing with a mental health crisis. Yeah. I was talking with somebody earlier today saying it would be so tough to be a child today, especially a teenager. It would be yes. really, really tough. Well, yes. thanks so much for talking to us about mental health and in the in the workplace. And we are knowledge workers today. I mean, yes, we have a lot that still need to use strong people to move things around or manufacturing items around. And um, but at the same time, being knowledge workers, we've got to keep um, people even and and being able to reach their potential at whatever stage of life they are at. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and it's so important for employers, especially to to comply with these acts. You have the ADA, you have state law. And what we didn't even touch on is the Family Medical Leave Act. That's also available for mental health issues for employees and with the serious health condition of their children. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I know I've become a caregiver for my mom and the um, impact that has on your mind every day. Yeah. Uh, I my children all have four legs, so this is you know taking care of her in a different way and it, uh, understanding that if I were to work for an employer, FMLA availability and understanding my rights under it would be really sure. important. FMLA's got some great that website's got some wonderful resources as well. That guide for employers and a guide for employees are both useful. Yeah. Yes, it all comes out of it all comes out of the same Department of Labor. Mm-hmm. Um, they've really stepped it up during the pandemic, I've noticed, especially recently. Um, I think I spoke about the uh, Department of Labor's mental health FMLA resources in a prior blog as mm-hmm. well. 
Yeah, yeah, I love reading your stuff, and you always give those resources, and we're going to continue to share them here. Thanks again, Amy, for speaking with us about mental health in the workplace. My pleasure, Kelly. Thank you. 